All right, let's rock another episode of Keo Conversations. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the very top of their game personally and professionally. All right, so today I'm chatting with Nick, and like Nick himself, there are many layers to to his world. He is a singer, songwriter, a film producer, um, podcast host, meditation expert, visual artist. He's an entrepreneur, performer, um, and father and, and, and husband. So, you know, he's, he's got obviously a lot going on and many facets to his life. And, and one thing that really is the driving force behind all of these elements is just this pure expression of creativity through his music and sharing some of the most vulnerable moments in his life. You'll, you'll hear it through the conversation. He's just a real, you know, authentic, kind of warm individual. And uh, it was a, a real privilege connecting with Nick. And I look forward to seeing what else we can do together in, in, in that journey evolving. Enjoy this conversation. He's a great human being. And please do leave any comments or reviews about this conversation. They, they do help quite a bit. Lastly, before diving in, as you know or may not know, this conversation, all, everything that we're doing really is, is brought to you in support of Keo, which is our mental fitness app to help you really rock your daily reflection. All of these incredible guests end up in app. You can add any of the questions that they leave uh, throughout, the, throughout the conversation, or I should say at the end of the conversation to really help spark your reflection and whatever you may need in that moment today so just search kyo in the apple app store and it will arrive in front of your eyes so thank you so much as always for your attention for listening for all your love and support and have the best day yet who are you Good question. Well, at heart, I am most definitely a musician. That's something which has been with me since I was a young child. And, you know, I'm a person who does many things from music to podcasts to entrepreneurialism, various things, film producing. But I think who am I is more about who am I always striving to become? I think. Mm-hmm. And that is a person who lives much more from the heart. And I think that's the ultimate for me is someone who may be remembered as someone who lived from the heart space. Where has that come from, Nick? Because I, I know, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit about the journey, but even, even on the music front, from, from what I know, and a mutual friend of ours, Nat, uh, Natalie Warner shared at one point was, you know, you had launched uh, music at one point in your life and, and pulled back from that. And now most recently are seem you know, back in full force and with such, you know, beautiful passion behind all the work that you're doing. So I'm just wondering, have you always been, has that always been stirring inside of you, the music part, but as well as, you know, living, living from your heart, or is that something that is fairly new for you? Mm. Yeah, I think it was born somewhat out of necessity when I had a period of my life which was very challenging, 
and that was going through a divorce in my, well, I was about 30, I think, at the time. And with that, you sort of faced to look at everything in your life. And I realized the way I was living was really out of alignment with who I truly was. And even though I could feel it, it was like this itch that I couldn't quite scratch at the time. Um, I was aware of something that wasn't quite clicking for me. And it still took me a few years with a fair bit of, I guess, (laughs) trauma and suffering through that process. And, you know, suffering was most definitely a choice for me in that, in that process. I wasn't quite at the point in my life where I could actually see what was really going on. Um, but as the years unfolded, I started to get a taste of who I really was and we're all the same. We're all at our very core. We are all just love yet. I had been living very much from the head. So with a continued practice. And for me, that was starting with meditation practice. These layers that cover up that truth start to get slowly peeled back. And <clears throat> excuse me, year after year, I kept peeling back and peeling back until I sort of finally got this real glimpse of, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's who Nick is, you know, like I'd forgotten almost why I was here. And yes, I had had a successful uh, musical career. I was one of the founding members of a group here in Australia called Sneaky Sound System, and we had huge success and in number one albums and all that sort of stuff. And I moved away from that and went into the corporate space and quite literally, quite literally almost killed me. And coming out of that, I slowly started to see who I was and that's where the music started to come back. And every time I would sit down at my piano and close my eyes and start to write music, I would feel like I was me again. And it was in that space I realized that the essence of what I'm about is heart and that's not exclusive to me. We're all, as I said, we're all just big balls of love walking around. It's just how much do we have covering that? that stops us from seeing it and stops us from actually being that in the world. Wow. That's, um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, first off, that's, that's beautiful. Um, and I imagine a very, very tough and raw period in your life. So you mentioned, you mentioned meditation, uh, was definitely a helpful tool. Was there, was there anything else? Because I feel like that there's a lot of people probably listening that can, can relate that either have gone through a divorce or gone through a, a tough breakup or some sort of relationship uh, pivot, let, let's call it, or, or something ending. And, you know, that's tough to process, especially when, when you know, you're at a certain point of your life where you're, you're most likely not anticipating that. And like you said, you were, you know, in a thriving band and, and I'd imagine things were probably going in, in a great direction. But how besides meditation, was there anything else that, that you did or that you found helpful to process that emotion so that you could actually start peeling back some of those layers? Yeah, look, I, I tend to think, well, I know now to be true is that meditation is certainly not, it's not the answer to everything. It's the catalyst for everything. Mm. You know, it, um, it's incredibly powerful and I was asked recently on another podcast, what do you suggest for anyone who wants to start on a spiritual 
journey or a personal development journey, and I just said it's very simple. Meditate <laughs> because <laughs> it really is the catalyst for everything. And what comes from that is you develop more self-awareness. You know, a, a meditation technique, the purpose of a meditation technique is to develop and expand your level of self-awareness. And then from that, once you are more established in a more consistent state of self-awareness, you start to make different decisions. You start to choose different foods or different movies or you read different books. You spend time with different people. You start having more time in nature. So it's almost like there's this domino effect that happens. So it's hard to sort of nail any other particular things that I did that was that were supportive because it's all supportive because it's just this chain reaction that happens from that point onwards. And the minute that you commit to a meditation practice, whatever that is for you, and we can talk about that if you like, but the minute you commit to that, you're committing to a life that's going to be more extraordinary. And just the very nature of meditation, especially when you're going through something quite traumatic, you know, for me, my divorce was traumatic because uh, lots of different reasons, but I had a, a very young son involved. My divorce was very public. I had, you know, the day that I separated, I had news in the newspaper about my ex-wife being with someone else at that time. And it was very public. It was very painful for me at the time. So it was, it was challenging to process, but the the process of meditation, as I said before, is this beautiful tool that allows you just to keep not just peeling back the layers of, I guess, the accumulated things that stick to us as we grow older and, you know, we're conditioned through society and our parents, et cetera. But also just on a physical level, it allows you to start chipping away at the stress that you've accumulated through your life. Sure. And that just enables you to thrive, you know, on all levels. So I think it's meditation, but it's everything that comes from that. There's just lots of things that we could talk about. Yeah, no, and I, and I can totally relate to that as well, even just starting Keo. I mean, that reflective writing is just one element of, of, of my day at this point. And just talking to amazing people like yourself and others, uh, all these other practices just keep accumulating. And it just, to your point, that is, that's been the theme. After the last year or so of, of speaking with, with others and developing content, self-awareness is, is by far the theme that keeps coming out that is the result of, of many of these practices. I, I'm curious, Nick, before you started the meditation and when you started seeing the benefits and whatnot, like what did you think of meditation beforehand or where did it, where did it sit in your world? It was always pretty close to me because I'd grown up with a father who was <laughs> pretty out there on the esoteric scale for sure um i think okay. I, t I tend to think he's from a different planet sometimes but um he'd always had meditation practices so i'd just grown up with that okay um he was he was a very normal professional he was a dentist he was a very highly functioning person but had this really deep practice on the side which was highly experimental and very much his own you know he doesn't he didn't learn about the chakras in a book he discovered them himself you know like that's that was that's his process so it was always around me um 
And he was actually taught transcendental meditation with my mother actually in the 60s in London directly by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, which is quite extraordinary. Um, and then I went on to learn the same technique, which I find really interesting that we had this sort of <laughs> um, alignment there. But I think I always knew I was going to do it in some shape. And I think I waited until I was desperate and I used it. Okay. I used it as a coping mechanism just to, to handle the pressure I was under in my corporate job and also in my, in my relationships. That's fascinating. Uh, it's interesting to hear the history behind that because I, I can't imagine, you know, in the sixties, like even, even today, depending on where you are in the world, uh, thankfully it's, it's been more and more adopted, but there's still a huge population of, of people that if you, you start talking about meditation or any of these practices, you know, the eyes start rolling. It's in the sixties. I can only imagine, you know, what it would have been like. Um, so I, I'm just curious from your own perspective, uh, like how does it feel now to see how things are progressing in, in this space? Mm. It's really exciting, you know, like I, I started a journey <clears throat> back in 2012 of producing a feature film on meditation and we, my business partner and I, we ended up personally investing a lot of money, but also raising many millions of dollars to produce a film solely on meditation. And that film itself has gone through so many iterations and, you know, a huge journey of its own because if we had released it in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18, it just wasn't time. You know, the dialogue in society wasn't quite established. Mm -hmm. And now the final cut of the film is much more to the point about what we're talking about. We were sort of dancing around it initially and the film comes out next year. But the world is absolutely ready for meditation and it's, you know, I think it's an incredibly exciting time because it's, it symbolizes almost this general stirring or waking up of a larger proportion of society. And I think that's come out of necessity because stress is so prevalent. It's such a big deal now, you know, with, as Bruce Lipton talks about, 95% of disease coming from stress. Yeah. Stress is a global epidemic. and the number one catalyst, and I won't say the, the cure, but the catalyst for resolving that within ourselves is most definitely meditation. But again, there is different types of meditation which have different effects, which is a whole other conversation, of course. But it is interesting. The, I, I, I agree with you because I, I often sit back and wonder too be, because it, it's, it's not like any of this stuff is new, mm. right? It's just all of a sudden it seems... And maybe it's not all of a sudden, but it, it, maybe it's something else. But for me, it seems like all of a sudden you hear it all over the place. And I can't help but, you know, step back sometimes. And think, where, you know, here's some individual that everyone's been idolizing. I don't have any particular person in mind. There's so many examples like this that literally has been meditating for 25 years. And, and we're just hearing about this now, right? And, and often the question is why, but... I think you nailed it, right? It's, it's, we've gotten to a point of it, it's a necessity that just the stress levels are, are just through the roof and traditional Western medicine. I think people are starting to see that 
this could be a whole other podcast, but you know, it's, it's a bit of a band-aid solution, right? And we, we need to get to the source of the problem mm. in a lot of these practices, thankfully, at least help or at least start that journey, right? Yeah. Look, if you think of the way that our physiology and our, um, I guess our consciousness compared to our physiology has been set up and how that's evolved over the years, we've had, you know, we've had almost the same body for, it depends if you're coming from a Christian perspective or just a evolutionary perspective, but let's just take it from the evolutionary perspective of literally millions of years, you know, 1.8 million years. We've had this body that hasn't changed a lot. And let's just say, you know, since industrial, actually just since agriculture, maybe 12,000 years now, we still haven't physically changed very much at all, if anything, right? I mean, obviously we've bore the brunt of various practices and our, we've, our bodies have suffered to a degree. But in terms of adaptation, there's been very little. But if you look at our actual consciousness and the way that our consciousness has or even our capacities have evolved even just the last hundred years like you look at the huge growth in the last hundred years and you wonder is our physiology actually set up to be able to handle this if you take the number of people that you would see in one day right new people strangers and you go back to the days of when we were in tribes then you might see one stranger a year and it would be this great big deal, you know? But now we are, we're seeing strangers all day, every day plus. We're dealing with more information probably in one day than we would probably have processed in an entire lifetime. Yet we're doing it with the same nervous system, right? Yeah. So Yeah, we're doing it with a body that's designed to survive in a cave. That's right. So we, <laughs> physiologically, we are... You know, we're gifted as humans. It sometimes could be seen as our as a downfall because our bodies are so adaptable that we tend to abuse them. But when you look at just the contrast between physiology and consciousness and the amount of stuff we have to program, then just going to sleep every night is just not enough anymore. It was fine if you had to do a bit of hunting and gathering and, and then have a sleep that night. You would probably recover your nervous system from the day's activities before. But now sleep isn't enough. It's just not. And added to that, people aren't getting very good sleep either on top of that. Yeah. So, you know, we also have, you know, electrosmog, Wi-Fi and all these things around us, which is new. It's a new phenomenon. So just the simple practice of meditation has become almost like, you know, for a lot of people, almost like a survival tool. But the beautiful thing about it is the longer you do it, the effects are cumulative and you start to literally chip away at what you have built up and as those layers as i said before as they start to peel back you start to get well it's almost like you get given the keys to the matrix you get to see the world for what it is through a different lens you start to be able to and this might sound woo-woo but you start to be able to actually manifest and create the world that you desire by making simple choices and actions and yeah. Yeah, no, I totally uh totally resonate with that. It, it's hard not to like it, the more and more you do any of these these type of practices, it's 
you know, it ha- something happens once, but then, you know, it happens again. And then you, you hit that third time, like there's something else going on here. You know, it's not just, it's not just my imagination that so-and-so arrived or something to your point, you know, manifested in, in your life. So, yeah, I, but I think everyone is on the, you know, everyone's on their own path or on their own part of that path. And all we can do is, is, is just, you know, provide a few little peanuts along the road and, and, and people eventually find their way to whatever works for them, right, at their, at their own time. Mm-hmm. But once, it, once it starts, it's pretty fascinating stuff. It uh, almost seems endless, right? It is. I mean, it's, <laughs> you're signing up for the, the ride of a lifetime, literally, when you start any sort of practice that is expanding self-awareness because, as I said, you're – you're putting it out there that you're no longer going to accept mediocrity. Yeah. And you start to attract greater things into your life. And, you know, my wife, Melissa, is the perfect example because without having a practice, without having a level of self-awareness, without understanding some core concepts around who I am in terms of my own balance of masculine and feminine energy, all these little concepts are born out of an increased level of self-awareness. And without that, there's no way I would have attracted Melissa into my life and she wouldn't have attracted me into hers because we we're on the we're on the same journey. We're on the same journey. We're all just on a journey of self-development and and returning back to that place of love, but we're all at different stages and Melissa and I happen to meet I think at a very equal sort of time in our life, which is why we were able to see the alignment so quickly. We were engaged in 2 weeks and we just had this sort of explosive unity mm-hmm. and that all came from having this practice you know it's it doesn't cease to amaze me how how powerful <laughs> it is and i always laugh i literally and this might sound crazy but whenever i really feel like there's something that i'm wanting to create and maybe i'm a bit out of my depth sometimes <laughs> I will, I'll literally say to Melissa in these words, I'll say, darling, can you just sprinkle some magic dust over this for me? And it's like, if she goes to work on something, it always comes to be <laughs> like, it's, it's bizarre. And I'm sure it's like the vortex of both of us putting our intention towards a common goal, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's such an interesting concept manifestation because it's a real thing. And it gets heightened and more powerful the more you go along this path. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, this 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 whole app and and the reason we were even speaking, to be honest with you, was was a result of that. You know, about a year and a half, almost two years ago now, which which was a result of a vision board mm-hmm. uh, and something that I've been doing for for years now and. I remember um, I was reviewing those those goals and, and, and different feelings, actually with my father in law, and there was a, there was a point. We always do this every, every around every Christmas season, just you know, an update. How's the year? How you know the year that has passed and what's coming up and whatnot. And I remember the comment was, you know, your your board and and your objectives and all of that don't really match with what you're doing right now. Mm. And it was just left at that. And then that was in December. And then January, the idea for, for Keo came up. And I remember kind of pushing my chair back, thinking, maybe this is what he was talking about. And here we are. <laughs> you yeah. know? 
So no, I, I believe in that. And it's, it's only, it's only heightened since then. So it's a, no, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I, I definitely want to talk a little bit with you about a little bit of the, your business world, because there's a lot out there on the music side. And we started the conversation a little bit uh, on that front and, and rightfully so you're, you're a beautiful and talented musician for everyone listening. We'll have all of those links in the show notes. Um, I had Nick in my ear most of the, the past week as I was doing the research for this and I will continue that, but there's a whole other business realm on your side as, as well. Um, you know, specifically some of the work with, with Melissa and, and, and other ventures. I'm just curious how, you know, how do all those, those worlds marry together and, and feed off of each other? How do you, how do you balance mm. all of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a constant readjustment, you know, just constantly trying to recalibrate um, how to make it all work together without sort of ever losing sight of my, my goals. And it's been a journey. If I look at going from sneaky sound system into real estate. My sole focus was real estate. I was so focused on that career. I took myself from zero to being awarded the top agent in Australia um, within four years. And I had an average sale price of just under $7 million, which is almost unheard of. And it's because I had this single focus. So single focus can be amazing if there's one thing you want to do. Now, if I was just just a musician. Like if I just hundred percent only did that, then my career may look different to what it is now, but there are other elements to me, which light me up, which I can't deny. And that's just not just the creativity in writing music, but the creativity in creating things. I just love creating stuff. Right. So, you know, I've, as I said, I've been producing a feature film and I'm doing, I've got a new documentary starting soon. Um, and another one, which will be focused on Melissa and I, based around our live show that we do. Yeah. And then another one, Let's talk which about is based that on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and another one, which is based on Ayurveda. So I've got, you know, three films right there and <laughs> that's enough for anyone's life really. But then on top of that, I have my debut album that came out a month ago. I have a touring, um, I have the responsibility of being signed to a label and, and obviously thinking about the next album and writing music. So creating space for that. Um, I also am the CEO of Melissa's business, which has grown and grown and grown into, a, you know, quite a big thing these days. And she's best-selling author of two books. Um, she's got a thrival, thriving global community. Um, and we also have a network marketing business, which completely came out of the blue. Like I never imagined myself to be doing any network marketing and it came really interesting story. I had this most bizarre year last year where, and this is a whole other conversation, but I'll give you a bit of a nutshell version of it. But sure, I had this whole year, which I spent in a pretty intense state of depression. And I'd never experienced that in my life ever. Not even close. I always used to think, why can't people who are depressed just kind of stop being depressed? <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. and I think the universe or God or love or source, whatever you want to call it, was guiding me towards becoming more of a teacher because without having experienced 
that low? How can I speak about life with any sense of authority, you know? And it literally started almost January 1st, 2017, and it ended January 1st, 2018. It's like this perfect bookended year of depression. It was really weird. <laughs> um, and I laugh about it now, but it was not funny at the time. It was really tough. And there was one particular morning where I was in the kitchen and I was leaning on the bench and Melissa walks out and she can just see that I'm struggling. This was around probably June that year. She can see I'm struggling and I'm on the verge of tears. No particular reason. I've just woken up and I'm just on the verge of tears. And she says to me, Nick, look up. Just stop. Look up. Look what you've created. Look at your life. Look what you have. Stop looking down at yourself with a small S and look up at your higher self with a big S. And of course, wow. yeah, I mean, that's the benefits of being married to Melissa. But oh, okay. <laughs> sure. um, at the time when I heard that, of course, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, you don't understand how I feel. Um, but deep down, I knew that there was a lot of truth to that. So I walked down to the North Bondi Outdoor Gym, which is one of my favorite places. I love training there. And I was on my knees on the grass doing arm circles, just warming up my shoulders and all of a sudden, I get this incredible rush of energy. Like I'm in public at this point. So imagine what it looks like. I get this rush of energy. I'm on both my knees. My head throws back. My arms go back behind me. I'm in like this almost power surrender stance, if you can sort of imagine, with my head right back. And it felt like I was getting blasted with some sort of strange cosmic energy, whatever you want to call it. I know this sounds crazy, but... It was like it was I was getting purified from my toes out through the top of my head, getting blasted. Wow. And as this was happening, I had this huge, very clear message getting sent to me, which was, you must be of service. You must be of service. You must be of service. Just literally nonstop. And I don't know how long it lasted for. It could have been 10 seconds or 10 minutes. I have no idea. And I stood up. And I'd gone from this state of depression into a, a complete heightened state of bliss, right? Complete bliss. And I spent about a week hmm. walking around in that state. I call it my my Jesus or my Buddha moment because I imagine that's what they felt, you know? <laughs> I imagine what's, that's what some of these humans had experienced. And you couldn't break it. Everything I saw, everything I touched, tasted, interacted with, looked at was just pure love. It was the most bizarre experience. But in that week, before it came to an abrupt halt, <laughs> um, in that week, I had this strange calling to speak to a friend of mine who was in a network marketing business. I was looking for ways to be of more service to Melissa's audience and my audience. And it was like this message came through that there is a vehicle that people can use that will push them through all the different blockages that they have in their health and their wealth, their love, all areas of their life. And that was network marketing. And it wasn't just any network marketing business. It was doTERRA essential oils, which is something I've been using for many, many years. Never thought of doing a business ever. And 
12 months later, we're one rank from the highest rank you can get to in 3,000 people and probably the fastest growing team in doTERRA almost ever, I would say. And that's just come out of nowhere. And I was literally just following that voice. You know, I didn't judge, I didn't have, I didn't listen to any preconceptions around network marketing. I just heard, be of service, be of service. This is one way to do that. And we did it and it's worked. So, you know, I can't remember what your question was, but. (laughs) Neither could I, but (laughs) it doesn't matter. (laughs) I I mean, I can't even begin to, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to try to unpack that. I'm sure you're still trying to unpack Mm -hmm. that, that experience, you know, outside of the gym. (laughs) But to me, I guess it just goes, it, it goes back full circle to what we've been chatting about and. I think it's just being open and, and, and being in, in listening. Right. And like you said, and then post that experience again, hearing, you know, whatever, whatever the message is, it doesn't matter, you know, what you want to believe or what others listening want to believe. I mean, there's no reason for like, what, what's the benefit of, of you making any of this up. Mm. Right. So it, there, there's stuff happening that we're just, can't even begin to comprehend uh, where it's coming from, but it's happening, right? So, <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that, and uh, I think it's a huge part of your your journey, right? So mm. powerful. So, how do you have you tried to bring or keep like, like how do you bring some of that into the rest of the day to day, or some of the, the feelings during that week? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure your your life still continues to kind of go up and down, like like all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any learning from from that week of let's call it the uh, the, 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 the what did you call it? the Jesus, <laughs> Jesus or week. awakening <laughs> or <laughs> whatever? We'll call it the Power Week. I, I tap back into the feeling of what it was like. It's hard to get fully back into that feeling it's almost like a, a bit of a memory now sure. um at the time it was you know it was incredible i look at it as a gift of being able to experience what's possible in human form and just being given a little taster of that and i remember or remind myself of don't forget that you were gifted that experience and there must be a reason for that there must be there's a purpose for you having felt that. And that's powerful. Yeah. You know, I think that's my reminder and I make sure that what I'm doing is in alignment with that. So if we create anything in Melissa's business, will it move people more towards that feeling? Is my music moving people towards that feeling? Is the doTERRA path to freedom team, are they moving towards that feeling by using that network marketing business as a model to move through their own hurdles in life. Um, are the films I'm producing, are they moving people towards that feeling? So it's become almost like, I guess, like a GPS system, an internal GPS. Sure. Um, but it's also a, a reminder that we're all just love anyway. I mean, that that's our truth. So whenever I'm not being love towards Melissa or my son or, or anyone, then that is my, I guess that's my center point. I can always come back to. What about yourself? Because I, I noticed when, you know, when you're not giving or being in love with, and you mentioned Melissa, your son and, and others, but are you seeing the triggers as well for yourself? Having gone through a, a solid year uh, in, in a, 
in a depressed state, you must, are you seeing the triggers? And what do you mean by triggers? If you could define that a bit more? Well, sure. I mean, I, I guess where I'm going with this is when you're defining, you know, living a life of, of love, are you also seeing that with yourself mm. and and noticing when, you know, you personally need a little bit of that, that self-love? Cause that's, I find the hardest part we're, we're, we're it's easier for us to realize, Oh, my wife or my friends, you know, they, they, they deserve more. It's, seems to be harder for us to, to realize we deserve more or I deserve more, I should say. Yeah, look, I definitely do give a lot to people around me and I tend to to do that sometimes at the expense of my own um, desires, I guess. And okay, it's something I'm aware of and conscious of and it's actually been a huge driving force between me restructuring how I operate now. And I imagine, Mark, you probably spoke to my assistant, Brooke, to organize this meeting. Yes, it was lovely. (laughs) And Brooke (laughs) is someone which, I literally just hit a pain point where I thought, wow, I cannot continue trying to do as much as I'm currently doing because it's literally wearing me down physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually because I was wearing so many hats and it was taking me away from just writing music, but being creative as well. So almost being too much of the manager and not the maker, you know? And so I did a big reshuffle. I had an experiment. I had a month. I gave myself a month before we left for Greece. So we just came back from three weeks in Greece. And I said to myself, by the time I get on that plane, I'm going to be quitting email for good. <laughs> and I set, I set myself this goal, which is pretty audacious when you have the amount of people that email you like I do and, you know, people who rely on you. And I just knew deep down that, that I was doing too much shallow work, spending way too, many time, way too much time in the shallows. I did a podcast on this on my show called Are You Deep or Are You Shallow? And my realization was even though I thought I was creating all these good things and being of service to lots of people, I was actually spending way too much time in the shallows, which is being a disservice to myself, to my health, to my creativity, to everything. So I started to reorganize things and question every little thing I was doing because what I wanted to do was ultimately create more white space in my life. I wanted white space for me to be able to be more creative to have more white space, to spend time in nature, to go on walks with Melissa and Leo, to have more play, more adventure, and to have more fun, you know, because it's all good to have all these things we're doing and to be driven, but what's the point if we're lacking something as simple as a connection to nature or if we're not actually really having fun or if we don't have enough time to just play and be present with our children? Like, what's the point, you know? And I hit that point like, what am I doing? Sure. And so I have successfully quit, retired from email, which is amazing. And I, <laughs> that's a big one, Nick. Well, Congratulations. I, will say that I, I <laughs> technically haven't completely retired because I will probably have one or two emails a day that I have to read. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So how does this act practically happen? So is, you know, does, 
because uh, you know the nice thing about I think probably you could say ninety five percent or a high percentage of people think a lot of these things and say, you know, I'm going to quit this, I'm going to quit that, or realize that that white space isn't there, but then there's no action taken, right? So there's a huge, huge difference between, you know, saying those things and actually, you know, doing something which you've done, which, so first of all, congratulations for that. That's, that's a big one. But just to help others, you know, maybe further the goal on, on this subject or whatever, whatever, you know, you're trying to get rid of in your life or minimize to create that space. <laughs> Any tips? Yeah, look, it's, it's, <laughs> go to Greece. <laughs> yeah, put yourself under pressure and give yourself a deadline. No, look, I think <laughs> ultimately it comes down to support. Like you're going to need support. You know, you're going to have to have a person or some people who can support you. And in the various businesses we have, we obviously have teams who are already doing lots of different things. So it's always been a process. I could never do everything myself. It's impossible. So I'm super grateful for the team that we have in each business. But when it comes to that sort of personal allocation of time and where we're spending our time personally, really questioning, like, did I really need to do that? No, I didn't. Okay. Put that on the list of getting that outsourced and, and questioning every step that you take. Is that task repetitive and do I have to do it again myself? No. Can you train someone to do that? Yes. Okay, do it. So everything that's repetitive goes into our teamwork system, which is teamwork. It's called teamwork. It's a, a way of managing your teams. It's a great um, app on your phone and a great desktop application. And if it's recurring, it's simple. You create the recurring task, you film a video on how to do it, and then you say goodbye to that task forever because whoever, even if that person leaves, the next person can pick it up. Hmm. So yeah, it started with me doing that. So going through my own personal productivity system, which I use Things, which is the app. Okay. Yeah, and it's based on the getting things done methodology by David Allen. Um, who I believe is going to be on Melissa's show this week or next week, actually. And Oh, great. Yeah. And going through ruthlessly and saying, do I need to do this? Because we often think there are things that only we can do and it's not true. You know? Um, yeah. I thought, can I really, like, can I really outsource email? Is this really possible? And I didn't know if it was. What I knew that I would need would be someone who I could train to think like me. And what I did was I let my emails build right up over a week or two. And so it's terrifying, by the way. I know. I, <laughs> well, I, sort of, I sort of did it out of necessity as well because I had an album sure. launch and I had multiple music videos going on and just so much happening. I thought, okay, I'm just going to let that email go, which I would never do, by the way, because I've got an episode called Inbox Zero on my podcast, which Anyone who uses email will find that extremely helpful. So definitely check that out. But um, I sat down and I filmed myself for a day just doing email and gave that to Brooke. And I said, this is going to be the most boring day of your life. <laughs> but you're going to learn everybody just about in my organizations, in my life, how I talk, what sort of things I say, what's that receipt for? 
what's why is that person invoicing this? Because um, I've got bookkeepers and accountants, I've got all that sort of stuff, but ultimately there are some decisions that need to come through to you. And so you've got to train someone up to think about yourself. And then I've taken myself completely out of email. And if you want to speak to me, you have to speak to me in Voxer. Okay. And Voxer is an app. And it's the single best app in the world outside of Kyo, of course. Um, <laughs> but it's really extraordinary. And Brooke will basically go through her day's work. She will send me between 10 and 20 voice notes in Voxer. I'll sit down, I'll respond. It'll take me 15 to 20 minutes. And that's what would have been a whole day for me. I've just done in 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, again, just speaking from going through the process of, of arranging this podcast, it was pretty seamless. And I'll, I'll, I'm trying to think when we first were introduced, I'm not saying that the communication wasn't there, but there would be, I'm pretty sure, you know, there was a, probably an intro email. I remember getting an out of office, I think something to the fact that things were really busy on your side. And, you know, I heard back from you, but it was at least probably a week or, or so. Yeah. And again, I'm just sharing this because the, you probably don't need to know this or you probably know this yourself. The system's working, but from on, from my side of things, it was fast and really on the ball. So it's for everyone listening, this works. <laughs> it does. It's totally possible. And yeah, I want everyone to have more play, more space in their life. And really that's what my show is about. And it's about everything really. But at the sure. same time, any of these sorts of tools, like it's so varied my show because I actually did an episode just on Voxer because it's that important. You know, it's so great at improving your relationships with people that you love around the world, for example. Sure. Um, so we'll link to all of these. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, look, it's it's always a process. I mean, we were speaking this morning on Voxer about how we can refine it even further. So it's always a process, but it's working and it's absolutely possible, but it depends on your role. It depends on your job. I'm a self-employed, you know, man of many things and it can work for me. It may not work for you if you're sitting in an office. It depends on your circumstances. Sure, of course. But there, there's always some sort of, of solution. I think first, the, the first step is really, to your point, is that, you know, questioning period, right? And really going through and analyzing, which which actually does lead into to the wrap up of our, our podcast on this side. And then that's jumping into some of the reflective questions. You've left a few already, but um, I definitely want to get Nick, your questions that you ask yourself either on a, on a frequent basis or during big life changing events that have been really helpful in your life. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's hard to give three, isn't it? Because um, <laughs> there's so many, so many things that we could talk about. But I'll bring it back to the core things that I think are what make us human and what can make us more human beings and less human doers, human do doings. <laughs> um, the first thing would be how can you be more love to yourself and to those around you today. And a good way to think about that is imagine that someone that you 
look up to just walked into the room. Let's say Buddha just walked into the room or Gandhi or Krishna or Jesus or uh, whoever it is that just you know is the embodiment of love. How would you treat them? Hmm. Because that's how everyone deserves to be treated. Perspective, yeah. Right? And I wish I could do this all the time. You know, this morning there was immediate tension between my dad and I because I'm currently at their house because we're renovating our home in Noosa. And, you know, we were sort of having a bit of a conversation around I had the heating up too high, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I always have to remember, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, it's just heating. Give the poor guy some love, you know. Um, sure, sure. So how can we be more love to ourselves and to those around us would be the first thing. Okay. That's a very strong one. The next one, I believe, is the one thing that unites us all. We all have a common purpose. And that is to be of service. How can you be of service to someone else today? And that can look like many things. That can be when you see your friend today that you would never normally hug or give a kiss. You might just walk up and give your best mate a hug and a kiss and shock him. But that expression of love is felt you know, by him. It might just be that little thing that lifts his day. Or perhaps you create a whole new business that is of service. Whatever it is, yeah. how can you be of more service today? Because that's what we're here to do. I love that. And the last one would be, how can you have more fun? How can you play more today? So look at the people that are around you. And it might be a wife or a child. You may be on your own, whatever it is. What, what's one thing you can do today to have more fun? It could be as simple as saying, to your wife or your husband, hey, darling, after dinner, I'd love if we could just go for a walk and just sit and look at the moon and just have a chat and just relax together. And that simple expression of connection, of venturing outside your norm, which might be just having dinner, watching MasterChef and going to sleep, you know, um, nothing wrong with that because I'm watching the finale of MasterChef tonight because I love cooking, right? <laughs> sure. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but finding ways to have more fun. And I made this a huge part of my trip in Greece. Again, I did a podcast on it called The Playful Side of Parenting because I wanted to commit to being more fun. I felt like I was too serious a parent. And isn't my role as a parent to have more fun? Like, yes, there has to be guidelines. We are We are guardians of their consciousness almost. We're not there to be authoritarian and make them submit to our every will and demand. If I could just have more fun with those people around me, wouldn't they want to be around me more? Wouldn't they view me with more love? Wouldn't they give me more love? Wouldn't I receive more love if I was just more fun? So I think between those three, you have love, service, and fun or play. And I think those three things can transform anyone's life. Yeah, they're incredible. And, and thank you so much for, for sharing those. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm really ecstatic about in terms of where society and all of us are, I feel moving 
and and you nailed this. I, I think we're really starting to move to the realization of trying to get back to that childlike play and and you know laughter and curiosity, all of that. Where it's like you start with all of that, and then it's it's almost beaten out of us, and then we we get to a point in life where we're trying to get it back. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's a there's a movement almost to accelerate that getting it back and and hopefully trying to not you know not lose it in the first place but it, it just made me think when you're you're talking about the, the you know how can i have more fun today which is a question i'm going to put right in my morning reflection thank you mm. uh, personally for that um it's so is it's so important right and it's it it's just you're you're right that just radiates across the whole spectrum if if you really f- focus on that so thanks again nick mm, my pleasure my my last question for you mm. is you know as we sit here now and and have this conversation what makes you smile <laughs> so many things um writing music uh, when i write music it goes beyond making me smile. I tend to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, Time in nature. You know, just, I'm just looking outside now and it's, there's no clouds. It's should be winter, but it feels like it's summer. And I know that I'm going to go for a beautiful walk around the Noosa National Park this afternoon and maybe have a swim. That makes me smile. Hmm. Um, Sharing a meal with my parents. It's just, my parents and I here at the moment each night having, I've got two weeks with them every night having dinner, just sitting with them makes me smile. The thought of seeing my son next week makes me smile. The thought of flying home on Saturday to see Melissa makes me smile. Um, so many things. And also hopefully <laughs> the people on the other end of this podcast listening, the thought of them getting something from this makes me smile as well. Well, I have a massive smile on my face actually right now, just, just listening to, to this uh, come through the other line. So you've made me smile, that's for <laughs> sure. And I'm sure there's, there are others. So I, I want to thank you for your time. And I want to thank you for being so open and, and vulnerable as well, sharing you know some of, of your history and what you've gone through to come to this point where it seems very clear to me that you're at uh, a very high service level for, for many around you and are doing, you know, a lot of incredible work, whether it's through music, whether it's through business, you know, there's just so many different avenues that you're, you're touching, but at the end of the day, I can feel it. And you've touched on on my side as well. Um, such great, such great emotion and, and, and motivation, I think inspiration for, for many. So, so thank you. Thank you for, for all of this. Mm, thank you for having me and thank you for everything you're doing. It, it totally comes from the heart. I can see it. I can feel it in, even in your design. It's very beautiful. So congratulations on all your work. 